Cthulhu Tactics is a new turn-based strategy game with RPG elements by Auroch Digital. This time working alongside Modifius, the original creators of the Actum Cthulhu RPG, and indie publishers Ripstone. In the next three parts of this podcast, we're going to be taking a look at the origins of the game, what the game is, and how it's being made, and finally more about what to expect when you play it. The Achtung in the title refers to World War II, as in the German for action. To set the scene, this is from the famous documentaries the US filmmakers Frank Capra produced about the war for US audiences entitled Why We Fight. Satisfied they had created the right sense of fear in the world, the Nazi leaders were now ready to strike. The hour had come. We must have the world's most powerful club. Forget ours. Forget working conditions. Forget how to think. Forge the club of blood and iron. Let the democracies talk about freedom. No freedom here. So the setting is the war, and within that, the core of Achtung Cthulhu tactics is pretty simple. In the darkest days of World War II, the players discover that the Nazis are not the most evil thing the Allies face. That under the earth, in hidden bunkers there is a darker evil taking shape. An evil the Nazis seek to harness, an evil the Allies must stop at all costs. I'm going to talk to Auroch's design director, Thomas, a noted enthusiast of what is termed the Cthulhu mythos, to find out more about what influences are being drawn into the game. Yeah, I mean, World War II is obviously it's, it's a big covered thing in culture, in history, in art, and, and understandably, it's, it's you know it's the, the the largest war humanity's ever had, uh, involving the most people and with you know enormous amounts of suffering and death. Uh, so I think it's natural that people turn to it as a canvas to create interesting things out of it. And, and I've always been fascinated by the Second World War as a kid, you know, starting out with books that my dad had on it. Uh, and then, you know, then I started making models out of, you know, airfix models and stuff like that, and then ending up with playing war games and stuff like that. But also my, my granddad, he, he fought in the war, he, he fought in the Italy campaign, he was an engineer, uh, and so there's little bits of stuff from, from his life coming through with it. So it would always been in there in my life and very interested in it. So when I came across the Acton Cthulhu setting, I really liked the fact that they'd taken something that was real and they'd wrapped it around something that was really frightening. And the real was some of the Nazis were absolutely obsessed with the occult. The occult. You know, that, that's, we know that. They sent expeditions around to the Himalayas and places like that, looking for the, the evidence of this mystical lost Aryan race. There was a few of them were into this idea of the hollow earth theory. I mean, Himmler, who ran the SS, he had all sorts of strange ideas about creating this, you know, Aryan occult super soldiers and lots of the, the symbolism of the swastika and the symbolism of the SS really comes out of those interests that, that some of them had. So Acton Cthulhu says, okay, so they're into the occult, they're sending all these expeditions around the world, they're looking for stuff. What if they found something 
And what if they found something really dark and frightening? Now, if you've read the mythos, you've read H.P. Lovecraft's work, you know there's this idea that layered underneath our history, layered underneath what we know about the world and the cosmos, is this other space, the, the thing between the spaces that we understand, the thing buried under the earth, slumbering under the sea, this dark, dangerous, inhuman presence. And Acton Cthulhu says the idea that's what the Nazis found. Now, with somebody as evil and debased as the Nazis, would they flee from it? Would they make war on it? Would they try and stop it? Seems like they'd try and use it. They'd negotiate with it. Maybe they recognise some sort of kindred spirit. Maybe they were being used by it. Maybe they were trying to use it. We don't really know. But what we do know in Acton Cthulhu is they end up in this dark alliance together. And that's the thing that the player has to take on and has to destroy. And therefore the outcome of the war becomes a bigger thing than, hu- than the nation states, a bigger thing than, uh, you know, what, the, the huge things that were at stake with the war, genocide, you know, the, 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 the survival of Europe, the survival of... So much was in there that actually it becomes even bigger than it's the whole planet, it's the globe, it's the species at stake. And that, and that takes a frightening war and makes it even more frightening. So how do you correctly pronounce Cthulhu? Or Cthulhu? Cthulhu? Cthulhu. You tell me. Yeah, we're working on Cthulhu-related stuff, and this is far from my first Cthulhu-related project, when people look at it, they go, are you pronouncing that right? How do you pronounce that? And the great answer is there is no way to pronounce it. Let no one tell you you're doing it wrong. Uh, Lovecraft himself, when he wrote, he said, I want a word that sounds inhuman, that the lettering of it looks like a, a, a human mouth not supposed to pronounce it. So some people say Cthulhu, some people say Cthulhu. They're all right and they're all wrong, and that's the great thing about it. How does the Acton Cthulhu RPG directly link to what we're doing? So within the RPG, what, what Chris and the team at Modifia have done is they've, they've created this really interesting setting. So yes, the idea of the Nazis and the occult, that's nothing new. You can see that in films like Raiders of the Lost Ark, etc. Um, even the idea of the Nazis and the mythos, other people have explored that before. Um, but what I think they've really done that attracted me to it is they've, they've kind of created a law and a... And a a kind of narrative around there that really digs into it. So we see the Nachtwolf, the Night Wolf, and we see the Black Sun. And they're two competing factions within the Nazi war machine for they're competing for resources, they're grabbing they're getting hold of mythos technology, they're seeking to make things. And broadly the Nachtwolf are much more practical. They're much more about turning these things into weapons of war. Whereas the Black Sun, they're more esoteric, they're more interested in the sorcery and the magic. And, and again, why this has really interesting echoes with, with the reality is, if you read much stuff about um, the history of the Third Reich, Hitler was very into this idea of getting his subordinates to compete with each other. He really liked this idea of them fighting it out for what they, they should do, fighting for his favour. And so it has echoes of how these various Nazi departments really worked, and they built this great mythos within it. And there's, so there's loads of interesting and scary characters that they've built on the on the enemy side. But to balance that, and I think it's important that, um, you know, it's important that they reflect that people didn't take 
fascism sitting down, they fought back against it and they fought back hard. And we see that again within the Achtung Cthulhu setting. What's great is we've got Section M, which is this kind of overall intelligence section that's drawing together the fight against the mythos. They then call this the secret war and they recruit people, sometimes people who've come across it accidentally, sometimes people who maybe heard of it before, and other times people who are trained specifically to deal with it. And that gives us our heroes in the game and that gives us the heroes in the actual RPG itself as well. I understand this is far from your first foray in the mythos, Thomas. Yeah, I mentioned that this is far from the first um, mythos-related thing I've done. Uh, I've done several mythos-related games and projects or games that have touched on it. Probably the most notable was Call of Cthulhu The Wasted Land. This was a First World War set uh, game where... And and again, Lovecraft himself wrote several stories that touch on the First World War. Uh, One that most people know is Herbert West Reanimator, which is this fantastic story about a guy who's doing experiments into reanimating the dead and he needs a fresh supply of bodies, and where's where's a better place to find that than a war? There isn't one. So he joins up with the intention of furthering his experiments. Um, So, and and in fact, stories even like Dagon, I think Dagon is set... uh, Now, scrub that, I'm not totally sure, but... um, I think Dagon is set with a ship that's downed... Well, check that out. I think Dagon is set with a ship that is downed um, during the First World War when the... The, there was a lot of combat on, around the shipping lanes. Um, but, yeah, the Wasted Land really set us up for this game because a lot of the thinking that I did after the Wasted Land and during it, things that I wanted to do, things that we didn't do, um, we've been able to do in this game. And that, for me, is really exciting. So that much more expanded character system, much more expanded narrative, much wider range of uh, tactical options for the player, really embedding the ideas of the mythos Uh, into the gameplay all that's in there so that makes it really exciting for me so in fact the first commercially released um, mythos related thing I did I actually wrote a monograph for Chaosium called The Dark Mirror Uh, and this was the idea that takes your existing Call of Cthulhu role playing game and it flips it hence the term The Mirror so that rather than playing the investigators trying to stop the end of the world trying to stop the cultists from summoning the awful creatures you actually become the cultists the aim of the game is the end of the world. You succeed by destroying everything. It's a kind of real nihilistic take on the Call of Cthulhu mythos. And how does this game fit into the wider Achtung Cthulhu narrative? So we, we were working within the Achtung Cthulhu universe. We always wanted this game to connect to it, so to be a part of it, but also to stand alone as a story. Uh, and in discussions with Chris and the team at Modiphius, I was very much attracted to the Forest of Fear storyline. I loved the idea that, of you know how again I don't want to say too much in case people are still playing through that um, I, I love the idea of the setting of it, everything so early on I felt this this is where we want ours to be so we kind of really doubled down on that and we, we've pulled that into it so there's there's a section in the wider narrative that's just kind of touched on briefly and we really dig into that so our storyline setting is very much part of the wider act on Cthulhu setting uh, and so we're set a little bit earlier than the main Forest of Fear storyline where the, the Section M becomes aware that there's something going on in the Ardennes, there's something there. There seems to be a lot of Nacht Wolf and a lot of Black Sun activity around there, but they're not really sure what. And so they need to find intel on what's happening. Uh, and that's where the players come in in our game. That's where the game really begins. 
of this behind enemy lines team sent into the Ardennes, holed up in a mansion, heading out into the woods, heading out to try and figure out what's going on. Do you need to know much about Acton Cthulhu to play this game? No, you don't need to know a lot about it, and we've been very deliberate in that, in that I'd like somebody who just doesn't know anything about really the Second World War, doesn't know anything about the Cthulhu mythos, they just want a, a great turn-based strategy game, they will still enjoy themselves. So yeah, if you understand all this stuff, you get a little bit extra out of it, you can kind of see some of the things we're doing, you can kind of enjoy some of the symmetries and some of the parallels that we've created. At its core, it's just a great tactical strategy war game that you'll just really enjoy. Why, after so many years, are both the Second World War and the original publication of Call of Cthulhu, are we still fascinated by both? Yeah, so we are, um, what, nearly 80-odd years after the death of Lovecraft. Um, I died in 1890, so in actual fact, yeah, we, we are many years later. We are many years, well over... Uh, many years, decades after the end of the Second World War, and yet we're still making games, books, movies. Histories are still being written, exploring different aspects of um, the Second World War. And it's a good question. What, why are we fascinated by it? I, I think in many ways the Second World War is such a huge historical event. The events that lead up to it, and I think it's important if you're interested in the history of it, you kind of need to look at the First World War, you need to look at the Spanish Civil War, you kind of need to look at the rise of fascism across Europe and the responses to that. And they all then come to a head in the Second World War, which becomes this this huge, all-encompassing global conflict um, that, that spans pretty much every continent on the planet. Um, so they were even fighting in the Arctic and the Antarctic over weather stations, for example. So it, it, but it also is this very clear good versus evils. The Nazis were the baddies. They were utterly evil. The things they did is completely... It's abhorrent. And, and many of the terms that we take for granted now, the Hague, war crimes, things like that, they, a lot of that came out of the shock and the horror at the end of the war and discovering what had really been happening. Um... In addition to that, I think we're now starting to, you know, more recent history is starting to understand other aspects of that, is starting to kind of fill in some of the details and realising that, you know, war and conflict, they are very murky, bloody, horrible things. But at the same time, they also bring out often the best in humanity. Some really amazing heroes appeared from the war. People who maybe had that not happened would have just lived normal lives and maybe they would have wanted to do that. But the, when the conflict came, it forced many people to stand up for what they believe in. And I think that's also really interesting about it. Yeah, if you read a bunch of stuff about the history of the resistance, all these fascinating figures come out of it. And obviously the idea of the secret war is very embedded in this idea of the resistance to you know, the occupied Europe. So look for a film called Carve Her Name With Pride, which is the story of a, an, a, a resistance agent called Zazbo, I think, Violet Zazbo, I hope I'm pronouncing her name right, a really remarkable woman who took the fight to the Nazis. Uh, you can look at the founding of the SAS, you know, Britain's Special Services. I love the idea that they they called it the Special Air Service, but they're actually driving around in jeeps blowing up um, aircraft in the North African desert. And they called it the Special Air Service to confuse anyone who came across it as to what they were really doing. And obviously that's kind of stuck their name with them ever since. You know, there's, there's all these heroes, heroic figures, and many of the actual Cthulhu figures have their... Uh, the, the heroes have their roots in actual 
um, real people, real characters, real heroes. And, and that, I think, again, that's a really interesting thing to do is to take these really heroic stories and create your own takes on them, your own mixes on them, your own reflections on them. As for Lovecraft stuff, why are we so fascinated by him? Well, he presents us and his mythos present us with this really nihilistic worldview where we're not the centre of the universe, where humans are not the be-all and end-all. We're not the top of the tree. In fact, far from it. We're just another species of creature. And just as in any world where there are predators and there are prey, when you discover that you are not the apex predator, when you discover that you are not the biggest, scariest thing there, that's quite frightening. Um... And that's, that's the fear that he often trades on. Um, I also love the fact that a lot of his work has this slightly indistinct feel to it. He doesn't necessarily describe the edges of everything. It's very much horror where the things lurking in the shadows is where the real terror is. And he doesn't go into detail on that. But that leaves lots of space for other people to explore it. And I love the fact that the mythos, because it's open enough... Um, it's constantly being reinterpreted. So there's always people writing new novels, new takes on it. Um, but yeah, there's lot, lots of people are doing their own takes on it, where they're taking on different themes and aspects, stuff that Lovecraft wouldn't necessarily touch around race or gender or would do in a really weird way. Um, or they're just taking their own mix on it, they're doing their own mashup on it. And I love the fact that it's open enough that people are just adding to the overall canon of what the mythos is. And I think had Lovecraft not created something that was both striking yet fuzzy around the edges, that wouldn't have been easy for people to do. Many people have called it the first kind of open-source mythology in the sense that he really encouraged the people he worked with to chuck ideas in it. So he would he would borrow a spellbook name from somebody else and they'd, they'd steal a kind of mythos god from him and it'd all get mashed up. But it was never really distinct how it worked and, that, that again, that made it much more interesting to work within. So the mythos has run for a long time because of those reasons and I think it will continue to run for a long time for all those same reasons. This has been the Oroch Digital Akhtun Cthulhu Tactics podcast. Thank you so much for joining us for episode one of this three-part series. With thanks to Thomas Rawlings for his insight into the mythos and the game itself. Thanks too to both Modiphius, whom created the original Akhtun Cthulhu RPG, and Ripstone for their continued support of the project. We're always keen to hear from you and would love your feedback on our podcasts. Or you can share and tell us about your favourite elements of the Cthulhu mythos. There's never a bad time to engross in this chat. Leave us a rating or review on our iTunes page. If you enjoyed this podcast and would like to touch base with us, look us up on Facebook and Twitter. You can also subscribe to our newsletter. This will detail everything that's buzzing with Oroch Digital in the heart of Bristol, UK. Hit orochdigital.com for intel. Acton Cthulhu Tactics has its own game page there. Click the Our Games tab. Acton Cthulhu Tactics can also be wishlisted on Steam. I've been Matthew Walker. Out. Out.